This is People Every Day. Coming up, why Donald Trump is back in the news and suing Facebook, Twitter, and Google. Plus, Jada Pinkett-Smith and the dangers of mommy wine culture, and Tia Mowry talking twinning, motherhood, and her diet do's and don'ts. It's July 7th. everyone. Welcome back to People Every Day. I'm Janine Rubenstein, and it is Wednesday. There's a lot of random, disparate news that's bubbled up out there today. Honestly, it was hard to sift through and figure out what we all wanted to get into. And I should say, today's also a pretty somber one for me as a fellow journalist and content creator, Aisha K. Faines, has been laid to rest today. She died unexpectedly last week and was just a young, beautiful, bright light of a woman who shined through the powerful words she shared in her writing and as a panelist on YouTube's The Grapevine TV show. So my heart is with all of her family and many dear friends gathering to celebrate her. A reminder to just love on your loved ones. Well, later in the episode, I chat with Tia Mowry, yes, of Sister Sister fame, and we run the gamut talking motherhood, child stardom, and her new cookbook and partnership with lactate because Tia Mowry is a super lactose intolerant star. <laughs> Y'all just mark that under new fun facts. So stay tuned for that. But now those many headlines I mentioned, a few quick ones have to do with big changes. So Kim Kardashian is ditching her KKW beauty brand. Seems like she's losing the West. Like, she did in real life. So that may become just KK beauty, not entirely clear yet. Also, Britney Spears' lawyer has now officially asked to be removed from representing her in the ongoing conservatorship drama. So watching for how that plays out. All right, I need help on these next major headlines. So joining me is People.com managing editor, Charlotte Triggs. Hey, you. Hey, Janine. How's it going? It's good. It's good. So I want to take people into how the sausage is made a little bit. I was talking a little bit earlier about how we were trying to figure out what headline. And then there was one that bubbled up as we were figuring it out that we were like, we we have to do. And, and Charlotte, you know a lot about this. Trump. Trump is uh, making his voice heard again in a very, very particular way. <laughs> Yeah, he is suing Facebook, Twitter, and Google, which of course owns YouTube, for banning him from the platforms. I mean, obviously, he's been pretty much banned from from every major social media outlet or platform that is um, since the January 6th insurrection. Mm-hmm. Well, he months later has kind of put together a legal case challenging that from his view. He calls it taking on big tech, but he's going to sue these these three platforms to basically let him have his way again. So this isn't just Trump himself. This is a class action suit. Yeah, this is really interesting um, and perhaps not surprising because this is one of his things that he likes to talk about, right? He loves to talk about people being canceled and cancel culture. They Remember, they brought out a bunch of people at the RNC mm-hmm. last, uh, last year. Was it only a year ago? Feels like so long ago um, to talk about their experiences being canceled and stuff. So he says that he's doing this on behalf of all kinds of people. And he had 
people on stage with him who allegedly were, you know, people that had been kicked off the platforms for um, supposedly unfair reasons or whatever. And his, the whole idea is okay. that he believes that the platforms have too much power to quote unquote unfairly silence mm, people. Okay. The thing he's targeting is section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. So the first element of this is that the platforms are not liable for the actual content that the users publish. The way that we are as an outlet, when we publish a story, we're like responsible for yeah. the, you know, content of that. They they're not publishers, and they've always you know really relied on that um, you know distinction. Then the second part of it is that they are allowed to kick people off the platform and take down their content. And Charlotte, you know all about this. I mean, in the the days of 2016, uh, you were on the mm-hmm. Trump beat, and you've been on that beat since being TV editor because you covered him as a TV star, and so that shifted. I did. I did. Yeah, you remember? I mean, you worked on on you know that show, Celebrity Apprentice, too, didn't yeah, you, Janine? Yeah. Like, and it used to be a different world. Of course, with this is in the before, right? And it's mm-hmm. like he used to just pick up the phone, call his assistant over at Trump Tower. She would just put him right on the phone. You know what I mean? It was a whole yep. other world. Um, not, no such considerations about anything because it was just, you're just talking about whatever. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. l- lighter, lighter news. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't so heavy and it was certainly wasn't dangerous, but um, you know what I mean? And then, yes, I did cover the, the campaign, which at first appeared to be an unlikely campaign and then became you know, more and more apparent that maybe this is serious. I was on the ground in Arizona at one of his big rallies. I was there on election night when when everything happened. Yeah. And and just a consummate journalist, I'm going to uh, share <laughs> that today we found out that this press conference was happening not far from where you are. And you just hopped in the car and tried to check it out and, and go over there and see if we could get in and, and get um, whatever news is coming out of this. But let's listen into what was said at the conference. We are asking the court to impose punitive damages on these social media giants. We're going to hold big tech very accountable. So, I mean, do you see this having any kind of effect on him being allowed to tweet again or... Well, I think it's going to have to go through the whole process now. That my, you know, my expectation is this is uncharted territory and it's probably going to go, I think it's going to go all the way through the courts. Yeah, well, we'll see how this plays out. And this is also on the heels of just some other really disturbing news about Trump that is surfacing, right? So uh, there is a book that has been released that claims he said a lot of nice stuff about Hitler. Yes. Yeah, so he, um, in this book by Michael Bender, who's a Wall Street Journal reporter, um, he apparently had a very awkward conversation with his own chief of staff, John Kelly, during a 2018 trip to Europe where they were commemorating um, the armistice, the end of World War One, And he started kind of like riffing on the history that he remembers. He said that, quote, Adolf Hitler did a lot of good things. And um, they, they, you know, in this article, they paint the picture that he was citing the German economic recovery in the 1930s as being this hallmark of the good things. But Kelly told him, you know, this is reminded him which side the United States had been on in the equation and also, you know, argued that the German people would have been better off to have been poor and not subjected to a genocide um, and just advised him that you can't say anything supportive of Adolf Hitler, that it's just not something acceptable for anybody to do, but certainly not a president. Trump denies it, right? He he says he never said it. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but this is not, this all falls in line with the types of impressions that we, 
you know, had from when, from his presidency and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, this book also describes that he had a very flimsy understanding of lots of history, including like black American history and civil rights. Um, you know, he really just didn't understand or didn't, um, download a lot of the, the key things that one would need to know if you're in control of the country. Yeah. We, we are going to move on because we should, uh, you know, I, I will say this news is all coming on the six month anniversary of the insurrection. Um, so it's, 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 I guess it makes sense that we're kind of talking about this, but I'm trying to leave that in the past. So let's, let's go to, uh, what happened recently today, um, news about Jada Pinkett Smith. So she sat down for Red Table Talk as she does, and she got really candid about her alcohol use over over the years and said that she was a hard liquor drinker from an early age into high school. I was uh, a brown liquor drinker, vodka, like I was a hard liquor drinker. Like yeah. I could drink almost anybody under the table. Damn. Yeah. When I moved to red wine, I considered myself like, oh, this is better. This is better for me because they say that red wine it's is, good for, is you. good for you, you mm. know. But drinking red wine for me was like drinking glasses of water. water yeah. It wasn't even like, so I'm not drinking it like, you're like, I'm like, all right, where's the next? Because I'm used to that hard hit. So the part that that really struck me was when she talked about moving from liquor to red wine. And Charlotte, you know, you're a mom, I'm a mom, uh, Jada's a mom. And and, and we all know that that mom-wine relationship is a big one and and one that is marketed to us a lot, right? Like you you have a long day with the kids, they're running around, they're screaming, there's all the stuff going on and it is taxing and stressful. And you can just, at the end of it, sit down, melt into the couch with a glass of wine, right? But there are some studies that are really kind of uh, startling out there. A study published in JAMA Network Open in September found that from 2019 to 2020, reported episodes of heavy drinking among women, at least four drinks in one day, increased by 41%. And about 18% of women of childbearing age, ages 18 to 44, binge drink, according to the CDC. And we actually spoke with author Amy Harrison recently. So she has written two books about her journey to sobriety and how wine culture normalized her addiction for a long time. Let's take a listen to a little of that. Having that constant feeling of just, I can't do anything right, really started to take its toll on me. And so I eventually found that I really didn't like who I was anymore. And it really helped bonding with these other women in the afternoons and we did that through alcohol. So it slowly just became my treat. And I looked forward to it every day and it became a stress reliever. And then over time, I basically got to the point where I thought, you know what? I think this is controlling me and I'm not controlling it. It was so interesting for me. And yes, I, you know, do have glasses of wine here and there, but it was just such a a, a reminder to make sure that this is something, you know, you're enjoying here and there and not something you're relying on because 
things are so uh, just stressful at home, right? Yeah. I mean, there's also just such a culture of like kind of pushing it on people. You know what I mean? And also mm, it's like, it's almost yes. like this like deep seated like marketing where it's like, relax, this is for you. This is your time, you know, whatever. And also like that it's like, oh, it's so funny. Like mom, I've heard a lot of people talk about like mommy wine time or whatever. You know what I mean? But it is something that has just, everybody's just adopted this view that it's like funny or cute or whatever. Um, and it's on some level, it's definitely like marketing, you know, it's pushing, it's pushing the product. On yes. People. This is why I don't like Reese watching commercials right. exactly. <laughs> because he, he's like me. He, he watches something and he's just like, oh my goodness, like that will save your life. Or that is the best thing <laughs> in the world. I have to have it. I mute commercials. I turn them off because the marketing is intense. That's very smart. Well, Charlotte, thank you for being so open and taking us through everything from Trump to to mommy wine culture. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Next up, Tia Mowry tells me about her life as a mom and a famous twin and a lactose intolerant chef. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Joining me today is the wonderful Tia Mowry Hardrick. She first had us at Sister Sister all those years ago. The sitcom she starred on with her equally awesome twin sister, Tamara. Uh, then we got to see her all grown up, starring on BET's The Game. I love that show, you guys. Uh, you can catch her now on Netflix's Family Reunion, of course. But she's also a foodie, y'all, and proud mom of nine-year-old Cree and three-year-old Cairo. And her upcoming cookbook, The Quick Fix Kitchen, launches in September. We're going to get into that and how she She's managing her diet and dietary needs right now. So hi, Tia. Thanks for stopping by the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. No problem. No problem. So the summer is here, right? And it's time to gather with family and friends safely, of course. So um, just just first thing, like, what is your whole thinking around summer cuisine? I'm wondering, like, is it something you're excited for? Or are you more of like a winter food person? <laughs> oh my gosh. I love summer cuisine. Um, I am a huge fan of ice cream. Um, and so are the kids, right? <laughs> but um, I do have a lactose sensitivity. So I am so grateful for lactate because it's definitely been a game changer for myself and my family. We can enjoy, you know, all of the things that the benefits that milk has, such as its creaminess flavor and its texture, um, just minus the stomach discomfort. <laughs> Nobody likes that because um, lactate, it's 100% real milk minus the stomach discomfort. <laughs> um, so, and then of course, you know, um, lighter foods like um, uh, lots of fruits, right? Um, I love making like crumbles. Who taught you how to cook? Oh my gosh, my dad. 
my dad and my mom. Yeah. They, they definitely taught me how to cook because they, you know, would cook all the time at home. I was always inspired how they would get food on the table, even though they had busy schedules. Yeah. My, both of my parents were in the army. My mother was a drill sergeant. Um, she's whooped us into shape. And then <laughs> my um, dad was a first sergeant. And I was just always impressed with when they would come, you know, home from work, they would whoop up, you know, some incredible um, meals and home dishes. Meals. So I definitely, yeah, home cooked meals. So I, I really, really learned a lot from them. I'm so excited because I literally just filmed a video with my dad for Tia Mori's Quick Fix. Um, and he's sharing with us one of his, his recipes that he would do all the time. Um, for us, for us kids. So that's going to be a treat. And now you've got a new cookbook coming out. So tell me about that. Yes. No, the cookbook, I cannot wait for this. Um, you know, for you guys to get your hands on it. Um, it has definitely been a labor of love. Um, you know, I curated all of my favorite, you know, family dishes that I was making during quarantine. Um, but that's just, you know, very family oriented, uh, practical, quick, delicious meals for the whole entire family to enjoy. Nice, nice. So when did you find out um, milk wasn't your good friend? My, Girl, I, I, I'm sharing too much, I but my husband out- is the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I found out that milk, um, you know, wasn't necessarily my best friend at the time. Um, when I was in like high school and going into college, Uh-oh. I feel like during that time, yeah. And I'm sensing there was a moment here. <laughs> yes. Yes. There were, there were, there were uncomfortable moments. Is it hereditary? Like does, does Tamara have it as well? I believe so. Yes. Like everybody, you know what I heard? A lot of just African-Americans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you watched the uh, high on the hog? On Netflix. Have you heard about no. it or watched it? What is that? Well, well it's good. It's, it's how the African-American cuisine transformed America. And everyone's been talking about it. But it's like, oh wow! It, it's kind of like looking at and so you, you bringing that up made me think about that, that, you know, there are these just things that are shared within within the culture and the community like that have to do with food. Um, yes, that have to do with food. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so it's, it's on where you're on Netflix. So it, it's easy okay, to find. Awesome. To but, but tell me a little bit about Family Reunion and what you guys are doing right now. Oh, my gosh. Family Reunion. It is definitely a blessing. Um, I, I am so appreciative to have the opportunity to work with Loretta Devine, Richard Roundtree, yeah. you know, their legends. And I remember when I heard that Loretta Devine was cast, I was so nervous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Loretta is like, she is a legend and she's just a phenomenal actress. And I'm like, oh my gosh, does she want to work with me? You know? <laughs> um, but I remember just meeting her and she is the sweetest, kindest, humblest, if that's a word, person. I I know this sounds cliche, but I say Loretta is oh so divine. Um, And then, of course, Richard Roundtree is just, he's smooth. He is so (laughs) smooth and just just really cool cat, like just cool cat. He's awesome. And then working with the kids, you know, I love working with kids. I love inspiring them. They always um, look to me for advice because they are in the position that I was in, you know, years ago with sister, sister. So I, 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 I know I play their mom, mm-hmm. but I almost act like their mother on set because I'm very protective, you know, because it's, it's, it's hard being a professional child. actor. Yeah. It's not easy. You are 
you are required to do the same things or the things that are required of you is the same for an adult, yeah. but you're, you're young. But I, I love the show. I love what it stands for. Family. Yeah. It's authentic. It's real. Um, so I'm enjoying myself. I love it. Well, you're right. That all does sound like sister, sister, just thinking back to that period. Like, uh, there's so much, uh, just love and nostalgia that's going on right now. People rediscovering the show. Do you, do you watch it? Do you watch back when, when you scroll? Oh my gosh. Do I? <laughs> yes. I was like, also I'm like, Tia, what were you complaining about? Girl, like you, you look good. You know how they say good? <laughs> With the T on there. Yeah. <laughs> you still do, you know, by the way. You're a teenager. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but you know, when you're, you're a teenager, you have all of these insecurities, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow. But, but, but I think that the most rewarding thing for me has been seeing my son watch the show. Mm. And he binge watched that show. I want to say, wow. I want to say the whole six seasons. In like two weeks. Um, <laughs> was he running around morning, talking about, go home, Roger? Oh, oh, yes, he was. And then he was also telling me, mom, you and auntie are crazy. I'm like, great. That's just the television. It's just, it's just a character. It's not, you know, who your mom and sister really are. Um, but it was, it, it's, it's so, it's, it's crazy how long this show has been on yeah. and how people are still loving this show. It was just a beautiful thing. It was. Oh, thank it you. It really, really was. And everything you've gone on to do since I, I was mentioning up high that I, I love the game. Okay. And I, re, I re- revisited that recently. Yeah. Um, that was I so fun. I revisited that too. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the same thing. Girl, Tia, you, you did a good job. Yes. You know? Yes, you did. You did. So, so tell me about, tell me about family in real life. Things are opening up finally for a lot I of know. us and, and you're able to, you know, get together again. Have you been able to see Tamara and, 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 you're, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I'm actually seeing her right after today. I've seen my, my niece, my nephew just recently for father's day, nice. my brothers, both my brothers, yeah. both of them, because my brother Taylor lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, so he was able to come over with uh, my brother Taj, my dad, and then Corey. Oh. And, the kids. Um, and we were able to just really enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I feel like a lot of people could relate. I was taking moments like that for granted. I got to ask a twin question. Do you guys still have the twin thing? Like, are there moments throughout the day where you're like, "Uh." oh, you know what? (laughs) I haven't. I haven't. I don't think we've actually had a moment, Mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure it's still there. Yes. You know what I mean? Because. You have that built-in twin tuition. Really <laughs> twin tuition, too. I love that. <laughs> yeah, twin tuition. Um, so I, there hasn't been one recently, should I say? Mm-hmm. Um, because of course we haven't seen each other yeah. as much as we would like to because of you know the circumstances and stuff like that. But now that things are opening up, um, we have been able to spend more time together. But um, she's gonna call you yeah. and be like, "Were you just talking about me?" <laughs> I sense it. You know that'll happen. You know that'll happen. That is one thing she cannot lie to me, and I cannot lie to her, man. I love really. it. Really, like because we just, we just, we just know each other. You know what I mean? We share the womb. We call each other roommates. Womb-mates. That's so Womb-mates. Cute. Yep. I know. <laughs> 
That was Tia Mowry. For more on her, head over to people.com. But before you go, something to make you smile. Or rather, someone. So nine-year-old Victory Brinker, who hails from Pennsylvania, recently hit the America's Got Talent stage. And she gave a powerful, skillful performance of the soprano solo Juliet's Waltz that left the crowd and judges stunned. Check her out. So her goal was to get a round of yeses from Simon Cowell and the others, but something else happened. All four judges and host Terry Crews pushed the golden buzzer in unison that sent her directly to the live shows. This is the only time in the show's 16 seasons that this has ever happened. And you know what? Her name says it all. Victory. All right. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Tomorrow. 